Welcome back out here at Optus Stadium, the Toolkit Depot studio. It's a beautiful day outside, and you can, on a day like this, live your own way in the Isuzu. D-Max, coming up next, Scott Baker is the WA Football Commission's Executive Manager of Talent and Footy Operations. We've got a couple of questions to put to Scotty. Scotty, welcome to the show. Morning, Darth. How you going, mate? I'm very well, thank you, mate. I'm uh, looking forward to an end to the hot weather and some cooler weather, but uh, apart from that, fine. Hey, I was looking at footage the other day of a pre-season combine involving some of WA's leading young footballers. Obviously, we all know about the the draft combines that happen at the end of the season. Tell us about the pre-season one that's just taken place. Yeah, so the pre-season one we had um, over the weekend. So we had, um, you know, each, each club uh, put forward about 30 to 35 players each, and that was across the boys and girls. So we had over 500 athletes test. We had the uh, we had the girls in on, on Saturday, and then the boys uh, did Sunday because the girls' uh, what would up your practice game started on the weekend. So a lot of those girls backed up and played in practice games on Sunday in the in, in the heat. So, um, yes, yeah, so we've done that for, for a few years now, probably four or five years now, and it's just another layer of testing and an opportunity for us to, you know, engage with a, a different group of players, and um, yeah, there's some futures age players, so sort of 16, 17, and turning 18 year old players. So those younger ones in particular, we can sort of now track them in terms of doing testing at 16, 17, and then 18, and see where they are, see how they improve over that period of time. And um, yeah, it's an AFL kind of run competition. Rookie me fly over to do it for us, so it's a. Uh, it's pretty much like a national combine in terms of how it runs, but we're able to get, like I said, it was probably over 500 athletes um, across the boys and girls um, over the weekend, which was uh, which was really good. So, how many recruiters would fly in to to watch these guys go through their paces, Scotty? Yeah, there was probably there was probably six to eight clubs um, that do it, and then obviously they get um, you know, and then the girls obviously free on West Coast are, are prominent there. Um, and then obviously all the data is getting collated at head office at the moment, and that'll, that'll get shared um, across all the recruiting networks and all the states as well. So, um, so yeah, it's a really it's a really important day, and and, and it gives those um, all, the, all those players an opportunity to kind of yeah get put through their paces. And then if they do get an invite to a state combine or a national combine in the coming sort of years, it's not foreign to them. Um, so yeah, it's a good opportunity for all those players. And are you using it to identify talent, or are you using it as a baseline to see how? players develop and improve as they go along or is it a bit of both of those things yeah it's, it's a bit of both um particularly in the girls there was a few few players that got tested that were sort of pushed up from um, either state state academy staff or, or waffle club staff but really it's a bit of a it's a testing mechanism that we can kind of yeah there's five or six different tests that they do during the day and that's consistent you know over the year so we'll do yeah there'll be a state national combine obviously at the end of the year and then we'll do this again next year in Feb and we have for the last four or five years so like you said we can really um, set some data around, you know, the, the benchmark that we want, you know, developing 16, 17-year-olds to kind of get to. And we can also compare ourselves across to, you know, the other states in Victoria and South Australia and all that kind of stuff as well to see how we're, how we're tracking in all those in all those tests. And, and like I said before, yeah, really see how players hopefully improve from that sort of turning 16 to turning 18 as, as they come into their draft year. So the mail coming from recruiters, this, this is a thin draft pool in Western Australia in the boys. Um, yep. in particular this year, that we only have two players in the AOS, obviously Subiaco's Malachi Champion and Peel Thunder's Bo Allen. Are you concerned about the depth of the pool and what that might mean in the longer term for WA? No, def- definitely not in the longer term. Um, you know, we, we never look at one draft sort of in isolation, but uh, yeah, I think, I think I heard the recruiter say last year WA was pretty thin as well, and 
we end up getting as many players taken as the Allies <laughs> who won the national championship. So I think they like to sort of um, say it's a little bit unders and, and give themselves a little bit of wriggle room. But I mean, I, I think it's a draft what's happening tomorrow. Um, you know, I would have at least six players that would, would get drafted. And then there's a number of other players behind that have shown great signs over the over the pre-season. We've had, um, yeah, we've had uh, our State Academy boys and girls train the whole pre-season with us this year for the first time. And those bottom-age players, they'll now have an opportunity to do two full pre-seasons with us leading into their draft year. So we think, yeah, this year on the surface, there's a, there's a bit of commentary around it being a, a tad thinner. But we know the year after it's going to be going to be really strong and like I said those two full pre-seasons but you know I think this time last year we didn't no, no one not, not, so Joe Fonte and Big Zane from Claremont and um, he got drafted to Brisbane he wasn't on anyone's radar they, those two weren't on anyone's radar and they ended up both getting drafted so I think it's a bit early to tell but um, yeah I think the main difference is probably we don't have those sort of two to four guaranteed sort of first rounders that we've probably had the last three or four years um, but I think on the, on the whole our numbers should still be pretty strong um, later in the year. So let's talk about Bo Allen because obviously he was the one guy that played as an underager in your 18s last year. Tell us about what sort of player he is. Am I right in saying he played on Harley Reid when you played Vic Country at the Wacker last year? Did Bo Allen have a go at uh, have a go on yeah, Harley Reid? And, and, yeah, yeah, and did, all, did did okay? Is that is that right? Yeah, he did. Yeah, correct. Yeah, he did. He had that role. Um, obviously, Harley was running around doing what he wanted that night at the Wacker. But yeah, when he was when he was um, playing permanent forward, Bo definitely had that role. So that's his. That's his go down back, but he's also like he's had a he's he's trained really really well during the preseason. I know he spent a fair bit of time um, training with Fremantle as well, um, which um, and speaking to a couple of their coaches, um, you know he, he hasn't looked out of place at all doing that preseason or some of those preseason trainings with Fremantle. So that's really positive, and yeah, we, we think he'll be able to push up into the midfield this year in his in his 18th year, and um, yeah, he, he's one that could um, yeah he could really um, rocket up the draft order come later in the year depending on how, how he goes, but. Yeah, hopefully he gets some senior opportunity at Peel this year as well, um, and no doubt he'll uh, he'll be prominent in our in our 18s program in the in the middle part of the year. Malachi Champion, obviously smaller player, got a few tricks. Tell us about him. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he's um he's got a he's got a um yeah he's he really does as, as a small forward. Obviously he's a, an NGA um, product to uh to uh, to West Coast, so you know at a minimum you'd think he'd end up there at the end of the year. But um, you know we sort of thought that last year with a couple of different players as well, and they went went before the uh, the NGA pick, so um, he may be one of them. But um, yeah, he's a really crafty um, small forward, um, and yeah, he, he's another one I expect potentially plays a little bit of um, senior football for Subiaco this year, and he hopefully is prominent for us in the in the champs and can get on the end of few and um, really put on a lot of forward pressure and um, kick a couple of goals for us because um, yeah he's got some real talent. You mentioned Zane Sakostelsky and um, I can't remember who the other name you mentioned. The blokes that come from the clouds, Ruben Jimby came from. The, oh yeah, yeah Jimby. Joe Fonte, uh, Jimby the Fonte, year before. Yeah. Um, so it can happen in Western Australia. I suspect the tyranny yeah. of distance kicks in a little bit with us and recruiters over here. Uh, so you mentioned there were four others you thought would get drafted if the draft was held tomorrow. Who are the blokes we should be keeping an eye on uh, early in the waffle season? Yeah, Kyle Durant's definitely one. Cody Ango, Will Hayes, and, and Austin uh, Vanderstroff. So he, um, all, all those guys, we think, yeah, if the draft was happening now, they'd be they'd be right in the mix. And then, like I said before, there's just been a number of players that we've like the boys have been training that hard, and, and the girls as well. But watching them at, at training and, and speaking to you know Adam Jones and Mark Webb and the coaches, like the, the the boys have been going that hard. So I think there'll be a number of other players that um, really improve um, on the back of a on the back of a really really strong pre-season. So I think those boys I mentioned before, and then there'll be a number of others that'll bob up during the year as well and, and hopefully get our, get our numbers up similar to our prior years. 
Now, it wasn't a great year for the state 18s uh, in 2023, Scotty. You put a f- few measures in place to try and get, a, a, I guess, a more cohesive team on the park early in the 18s championship. Tell us what you've done and uh, and what you're aiming to, to get out of that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, last, last year was disappointing uh, on field in terms of only winning that one game and then uh, I suppose a close loss to a uh, big country there at the Wacker, which we talked about earlier. But, uh, yeah, on the back of, I suppose, like the, we know the Coats League and, and, and how well that how well that is resourced and we know what's happening with the Northern Academies and, and all that kind of stuff and how heavily funded they are. Um, we made a decision probably halfway through the year um, that we would um, would run that pre-season program um, internally um, um, for the boys and the girls. So, yeah, speaking about the boys in particular, so they'll, they'll end up, they'll finish a 12, uh, 12-week pre-season with us um, and that's probably about 30 of a normal squad and then we've added a heap of extra underages as well to the program in terms of hopefully giving them, like I said before, those two um, full pre-seasons. We've also invited a heap of tools um, with a bit of a tools program once a week um, that have come down to uh, train with us as well um, over the pre-season. But we've also been able to do a whole heap of baseline athletic testing in the gym. Uh, we run a leadership program, a lot of off-field education um, through nutrition in particular. Um, and we've been able to sort of beef up our coaching stocks as well and, and get the coaches consistently with the players. So we've had Sheriff Wellingham, Zach Clark, Adam uh, Guglielmani and Mark Seavey with the playing group. Obviously, Mark Webber's Head coach for the whole preseason, which has been um, which has been really positive. Those those um, coaches in particular have been uh, really upbeat and, and really had a positive impact on the on the players. Um, we've we've employed a full time S and C that's working across the boys and girls, which is which has been really good as well. And um, yeah, that'll close out for the boys and on the 29th of Feb, where we're going to play sort of an inter intrastate um, game, which will be all that squad um, that I talked about before. And we'll look for a couple of top ups um, to, to get two full teams to play against each other down at Coburn on the on the Thursday 29th of Feb on the on the Thursday night. So yeah, it's been um it's been huge and it's obviously been what like we talked about before, it's been really hot. And I think this Thursday is forty two. So I think Adam Jones um, was telling me yesterday, I think the last four Thursdays um it's been close to forty during the day. Obviously it cools down a little bit but yeah they've gone really hard and had, had really strong um pre season. So we're we're optimistic what this group can do this year and we know with all those uh, those bottom ages like I talked about before them getting exposed to a, a high performance program like this and then again next year in the 18th year we, we think is going to uh, have some pretty positive outcomes for uh, talent in WA going forward. And the girls obviously we were a bit later establishing um, Waffle W competitions um, behind other states and there was a feeling that we were trailing the field a little bit in, in that area. What are we doing to, to bridge that gap? Yeah, no, that's that's a uh, very that's a fair enough point. We, we we definitely were like the difference that we had to I suppose South Australia was um, they started their um, sample W competition from scratch and and started just with five standalone teams and that was it. So all the best players played against each other and we uh, we sort of inherited the old um, Western Australian Women's Football League, which sort of had the the league reserve and Rogers Cup teams. So we had to sort of work our way through that for the first three years. But we feel now we, we've got a um, and even enough bunch of teams. Obviously, East Perth have got a bit of improvement. They only came in last year, but the level of competition at Waffle W level is getting better, uh, which obviously helps the, the players. But all that stuff I talked about before for the boys, we've replicated that for the girls as well. So, um, yeah, we've had you know Bo McDonald's full-time um, working in the coaching space for the for the girls' program and, and the S&C I talked about before as well for the girls. And, yeah, they've done the, the full pre-season. Um, this is our last week of training. Um, we've got a, a game this Saturday night to sort of close out the girls' 18s program, 5 o'clock this Saturday night at Claremont Oval against a, a Waffle W All-Stars game, which will be which will be really, really good for us in terms of closing out our program. But in terms of Waffle W 
um, all-stars. There'll be there'll be a number of sort of overage players, Jamie Henry and Andrew Rayson, who missed out in the draft last year, an opportunity for them to play against the state 18s in a uh, in a higher level game because um, the sort of SSP for the AFLW is still live at the moment. So an opportunity for those girls as well to, to play on Saturday night and, and hopefully show their talents and potentially end up on an AFLW list going into this season. You mentioned about the level to which the Coach League is resourced. Do we get a fair crack at it from the AFL uh, in terms of the money that they can pour into, A, at your level, at the commission level, but also, B, the money that flows on to the, the Waffle Club level? Obviously, when a club like West Coast has two poor seasons like it has, it has the potential to drastically affect the amount of funding that flows through the, the system in Western Australia. So are we getting enough from the AFL to make sure we can bridge those gaps? Oh, look, we'd always, yeah, we'd always want more. Um, we, we pitched to the AFL a couple of times last year. I flew to Melbourne and met with Laura, Laura Kane around this, um, around this pre-season model, around centralising it, because... You know, as much as we we would like them to distribute the money by nine to all the waffle clubs and and really beef up all our nine individual Colts programs, the AFL don't really have a strong appetite to do that. Um, they're, they're, there's a fair bit of money that flows through to them, but they, they do have interest in terms of this um, centralised um, state academy model that we've run this pre-season. But unfortunately, last year, even after a couple of efforts, um, yeah, the funding um, didn't increase at all going into uh, this year. So we've had to kind of um, we've had to sort of get creative in terms of our budgets to be able to pull, pull, pull together the pre-season model. But ideally, going forward, we would love to be able to resource that even more and get coaches, you know, more committed in terms of being able to do the whole pre-season if we can pay more and and that kind of stuff. So yeah, we we, we would obviously love more. We think we're well behind uh, what the uh, what the coach league in terms of how that's funded. Um, purely from a resourcing point of view, you know, they've got full-time coaches, they've got full-time talent managers across all of their twelve um, NAB league or coach league programs, whereas us, obviously we've got full-time talent managers, but our Colts coaches are only getting paid sort of 18 to 22 grand, which, is, um, which isn't that much really considering the commitment um, that they have to do into, you know, three times a week, full season of waffle. Um, so that's one area in particular we'd love to get beefed up is that coaching space um, in the talent pathway level. Now, there's been talk for a year or so now about the establishment of an AFL Reserves competition. Obviously, I know that um, former West Coast CEO Trevor Nisbet put this on the table at a meeting as if, if they couldn't get a better outcome from their waffle team, that this was an option for them. I think Fremantle appears to be pretty happy at Peel for the moment. But does the AFL keep you apprised of what developments may be on the horizon when it comes to their reserves competition and, and, and whether that is um, a very real possibility in the next two, three or four years? Yeah, they do. They, they, they do. I think, um, you know, in, in South Australia, you know, Port Adelaide have made their intentions very clear that they will be going into the VFL when they can. They've got a bit of a, they've got a contract with the Sandford, I think, to 28, which is going to make it more tricky for them. But from from our point of view, like, like you said, Fremantle are, are really happy, and, and that partnership with Peel is really strong. And I think both parties are getting the outcomes that they desire out of that arrangement. And, and from West Coast's point of view, like we've sort of, it's, it's a tough one with West Coast because you know, 20. If you speak to the Waffle Clubs in 2019, you know, they made finals and won a final. And then obviously we know what happened in 2020 and then 2021, they, they made a late commitment to the Waffle. So they missed all their opportunity to recruit. 2022, there was an opportunity to potentially partner with Perth. And then there was an option around a split between Perth and East Perth and that fell over. So they're late to market again. And then we know what's happened with their injuries the last couple of years. If you've got 18 on the injury list at AFL level and you're only rolling back two to three to four AFL players to your Waffle team, it doesn't matter what concessions you have, you're not going to be competitive. But 
we've increased them again this year and that they've got a fixed salary cap for the first time that they can work towards this year. So really they've got open slather in terms of what they can recruit and what they can pay within that salary cap. Whereas in the in the past, they've had fixed amounts they could play to, pay to a certain amount of players. So we think we've set them up for success this year. And, and hopefully, you know, if they have a good run with injury, they'll, they'll be really competitive at Waffle level. And if they can get their development outcomes at Waffle level, I, I can't see our AFL clubs, unless I get forced by the AFL, um, wanting to, you know, travel every second week to Victoria with your, you know, your 40 to 45 um, player on your list. So, um, yeah, we think if we can um, continue to um, work with West Coast and the Waffle Clubs to make them competitive and if they can get the development outcomes they want in the Waffle, um, hopefully they're here to stay for the long term. Scotty, I really appreciate your time and uh, your thoughts this morning. Look forward to seeing another great Waffle season. It's always, if you're, a, if you're a punter out there and you don't go to Waffle, go along to the games. It is You never walk out of a Waffle game thinking you've wasted your time. It's a good standard of footy. They run a really good competition and hopefully we can get some more resources into our development pathways and get better outcomes for our junior teams as well. Scott, really appreciate you coming on the show and uh, look forward to speaking to you again as the year goes on. No problems at all. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate your support. Chat soon. Scott Baker, he is the WSC's Executive Manager of Talent and Football Operations. Give us your thoughts on the text line on 0487 736 736 or the Barra and O'Day open line 13 12 55. Of course, Barra and O'Day, the little things are everything. We'll take a break and we'll talk to Dr. Peter Larkins in the last half hour of the show. This is Mornings with Mark Duffield on SENWA.